0: Greetings amigops, and Top Teners everywhere. This is Mike from Top Ten with Kyle and Mike. I am joined this week, as I am every week, by our head-bopping, funkalicious, water-drinking, very usual uh, maroon sweatshirt wearing, this really is kind of his go-to uniform, co-host Kyle. Kyle and I are going to be discussing a list this week, I don't know what the hell it is, We're going to be debating that list. We're going to be ranking it. We're going to be re-ranking. We're going to do some stuff vigorously, some stuff half-heartedly, some stuff uh, it's going to feel like we actually didn't give a shit about it. But by the end of this episode, by hook or by crook, we will have a definitive top 10 list of whatever
1: the hell we're talking about. So Kyle, what are we talking about this week? Thank you, Michael, for that fantastic introduction. It feels good to be back. We've taken a bit of a, a hiatus. I knew I would miss you, and I knew I would miss the pod after
0: the hiatus. But it is it is nice to reaffirm the energy in the room.
1: I really missed you, buddy. This is uh, yeah. I've really been looking forward to this, so that's good. So I'll dive right into it because it's way past your bedtime. That
0: is true for sure. Although I did I did play a softball game this evening, and I just drank a very large. Thing full of noon which is that electrolyte oh, yeah. drink and now I'm drinking a big carbonated water oh so I probably won't sleep very much this evening
1: because I will be peeing yeah all night for so sure. I'm good all right cool all right so if you notice a weird break later listener that's us peeing mm-hmm. all right maybe I'll just leave it in um is <laughs> <laughs> so a little treat yeah that's behind the curtain listener dear listener all right so we were before we got on the call we were discussing our work habits and whether they be in the office or not. And one of my work habits that I've gotten really accustomed to over the past year or so is like listening to music like pretty much all day long, which is a lot easier when you're kind of by yourself. And I don't listen to any music with like vocals or lyrics in them because yes. I find it hard to focus on what I'm doing when I do that. And uh, so as a result, I've listened to a lot of instrumental and that usually takes the form of a movie or television show or video game official soundtrack. So and I, I thought the list was going to be like my top 10 favorite like albums that I listen to while I work. But I've decided to expand it a little bit and we're actually gonna do the top ten movie or television composers right now. So this isn't a list of like the greatest movie composers of all time. It's kind of like a who's who Danny Elfman.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> it's it's a list of like if you see it, if you go see a movie or if you're watching TV right now, there's a good chance that whoever's doing the music is on this. List Like these are the 10 people that are kind of like, you know, at the top of the, that industry right now. And it, so naturally, it'll lend itself to like, I'll tell you like, you know, what they're known for historically, what they've been working on lately, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, what my favorite albums to listen to. So it should be a good way for you, dear listener to catch up on the world of um, film scoring and also hopefully find some fun stuff to listen to while you work or whatever.
0: Well, this is great and it's good timing. It's funny when you were starting to describe this. My only question was going to be can a three hour or 24 hour loop of a single song count as a soundtrack? Because in certain cases, I've so latched onto a single song as great study music that I haven't even had to go into the rest of the album. <laughs> Uh, But the other thing is, it's actually funny timing, because I was just scrolling through my Discover feed on my Instagram, and a certain composer, who I'm very confident will show up on this, was explaining uh, his creative process, and it involves sort of discovering different instruments with which he wasn't as familiar, and it was so cool,
1: and so I'm, I'm really in the brain space for this. I love it. Excellent. I'm excited to hear who that composer was. I think I'd probably know based on that description, but we'll see. But this will be fun, though, because, like, just, like, naturally, we'll end up talking about a lot of movies that we love. Yeah. So this is, like, a fun intersection, and it's been fun for me because once Spotify knows that you listen to this kind of stuff, their suggestions are really good. And I've actually added a lot of content to my list, like, because I've listened to the music. So, like, I've played a bunch of video games and watched a bunch of movies that, like, I wouldn't have otherwise had I not discovered the yes. music first so like you can kind of discover you know a lot doing this so
0: I love that my dad my dad has always been a really firm believer in the total movie experience and it's really interesting because as TV has evolved take such a big slice out of movies I think writing has come to the forefront as sort of the premier craft in you know cinema writ large so including film and and television but i think as much as much as i love writing i'm clearly a big consumer of writing their other practices are super important too and i think what television does miss a little bit is There's so much focus on the writing and acting, which is, of course, really important that there's some loss in terms of score, oftentimes in terms of editing, because there's so many more hours to film. There's a lot of other things, too, that go into a movie experience or, you know, cinematic experience that are cool. And so I grew up thinking that a movie was a big score and big shots that stick with you and a big cast and like all of this sort of classic cinema stuff. So I love soundtracks.
1: As do I, Michael. You're All the, right. you're the right person to appreciate this with. So Damn right. We'll start number 10. And remember, this is like right now. So like Yeah. This isn't I I've kind of ordered ranked it in order of like recency in terms of like the last like great thing they did or last achievement and just also like I've it's kind of like listed in terms of quality, I guess, but it's not necessarily quality. Yeah. All right. So number 10 is Henry Jackman, who has kind of taken a big chunk of the kind of action-adventure genre under his uh under his watchful eye the last five or six years. So I I think Henry Jackman was like my second most listened to artist last year because he did both of the scores for Captain America: The Winter Soldier and Civil War, which are Which are two of my favorite soundtracks. And then also, very, very importantly, he did the uh, score for Uncharted 4. So this is very interesting and surprising to hear that a single
0: composer would have taken a small slice of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I would have assumed that there was a single composer doing all that work. I guess as I think about it, it would have been a heck of a lot
1: of work. What's really cool about these big franchises, a lot of them that we'll talk about here quite extensively, is that they kind of divvy up the score work among several people. And I think that the choices they make for who scores a particular film actually says a lot about what they want that movie to be like. Interesting. So sort
0: of like the Harry Potter thing where they had the director roulette, which was really cool. I I think you and I both discussed that there was good and bad to that, but there was a lot of good for sure.
1: Well, interestingly, Harry Potter kind of did the same thing with um, scoring like this. It's, it's a number of different people that worked on it, but anyways, Henry Jackman, they tabbed to do winter soldier civil war. He also did um, the Falcon and the winter soldier series, which like, if you, if you listen to the score for that, for that series, you'll hear like all the same beats that came out of winter soldier, which makes a ton of sense, obviously. But a little less well-known and kind of where he got started i think um he did all of he did like this the prequel trilogy of those x-men movies like x-men first class and those movies he did both of the Kingsmen movies and he also did big hero six so those are some places you may have heard his work oh and kong skull island
0: damn so uh, you you i'm sure know this so if i am working on Kong Skull Island and there is an instrumental soundtrack and there is also, or uh, there's an original score and there's also like a, a compiled soundtrack from existing recordings.
1: Am I, what's the overlap there? Do you know? I don't think that Henry Jackman would have had a hand in like curating the actual, like the, the, like the, music i guess or lack of a better term like the but yeah and they're usually like packaged and sold it depends on the movie like i have noticed that that's a new thing for that i didn't know before it it really depends on the movie like we'll talk about some where like the the uh like the vocal and like previously recorded like songs that feature in a movie are inserted right into the score like where they would appear chronologically in the movie oftentimes to really great effect um, and sometimes they're packaged separately like in this like for Skull Island for example the score is def- is different from like the soundtrack and so i don't know how much overlap there would be on jackman's part but if you're if you're watching something that has like a very fast paced kind of frenetic drum heavy pace to it there's a good chance that he's involved but i really like his work especially uncharted and captain america love it so that's uh that's henry jackman number 9 is one of my personal favorites who i've kind of discovered this last year who i think is yet to like really arrive on the scene but based on his recent work and uh, what i've heard i think probably this is someone you'll be hearing a lot more of in the coming years so the guy's name is lauren Balf. probably you know you would know him most from uh he did the ad astra and mission impossible 6 scores Ooh, i love the ad astra score he so that one it was like it's, really loved that it's a two part score uh, and so he did half of it and another guy by the name of Max Richter did the other half. Um, I personally they're both fantastic, but Lauren Valve's p- portion of it is just amazing. I listen to it all the time, and what I like I'm about looking
0: it, on his Wikipedia, it looks like he does a lot of like when he was cutting his teeth, he did a lot of composer of additional music, which whatever that I'm assuming that's like the guy who comes in and finishes things up on a lot of really big movies. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: So he's the, the, a lot of stuff that he's worked on especially recently. Like he he did all this uh the scoring for The Crown, his Dark Materials, the the HBO show, that movie that just came out the Tomorrow War and then um Black Widow, the latest Marvel movie. So he's had a lot of work as of late, but I the first thing I listened to that he did was ad astro and i just fell in love with it it's so good yeah that's um that's one of my favorite scores
0: of of recent film that was a movie that is i think a really good example of a film that really doesn't work without the strength of all of its pieces and i think that's a movie that really leans heavily on its score and it really works kind of the whole way
1: it's perfect and listening to it on on its own is like it's a good one to work to because it's there are portions where it gets into higher intensity, but for the most part, it kind of matches the tone of the film. Like it's kind of contemplative and it's like, a, <laughs> I would say so it's Brett. It's, it's just like Brad Pitt's character. Like it doesn't really ever get above <laughs> resting heart rate, but it's really, really fun to listen to.
0: Well, that's the, that's part of the thing that's interesting about judging a composer. I, and we, we take liberties in judging, Hey, how good was this actor? in this movie and we take their performance in a vacuum in a way that's probably not really fair because an actor is nothing without lines and without direction and without editing. Like the best performance, it depends on really great writing and great direction and great editing. And so sometimes we, you know, we'll say, oh, that's a great soundtrack, but it also has to work in the context of the film. And so even though the work that he's given in this film, isn't the flashiest, it's exactly what
1: the film calls for. And he really delivered on that. That's a good point. Because there's nothing more jarring than watching a, a score that like doesn't quite line up with the. Mm-hmm. Like the I'll, I'll give you a quick example. We just watched the, uh, the season finale of Loki. And mm-hmm. in a vacuum, it's a really, really cool score because it is a really neat mix of like. It's like Twilight Zone mixed with, like, this cool, like, Asgardian kind of, like, reedy, um, like, like, more traditional kind of sounding instruments. Yeah. But just, it doesn't, to me, it didn't really line up well at all with, like, it was, it wasn't mixed correctly. And, like, that is, that makes, like, a huge it difference. It can really pull you out of the moment. Right. And so, like, at Astra specifically is a really great example of how, like, those things all happen to work in, in harmony to create an experience. that was one of my favorites from whatever that was 2019, I think. So anyways, that's Lauren Balfe. If you don't listen to anything else um, from him or at all on this podcast, I highly recommend the last track on the ad Astra OST is a song called says, and it's a live performance of this crazy track. It's like, it's like you said, Mike, like sometimes you get one song that you just loop, and I, I'll I'll go on Spotify and just loop this song. It's like a really gently building song, and by the end of it, it just like crescendos. It's fucking incredible. It's called Says S-A-Y-S. Do you know it? Have you listened to it? I do know it. And I and it's and it There's another song that uh, I have that
0: experience with that sort of sounds a little like that one. That okay. is
1: <laughs> Yeah. So that's uh that's Lauren Bow. Beautiful. All right. Number eight is uh this is crazy it, it's the only reason he's this low is because of the specific nature of this list uh number eight is michael diachino who is uh, wow yeah either italian or italian american i can't remember yeah i'm looking right now it says italian american so he's like like one of the greatest active composers we have his credits are insane like i first kind of knew who he was because i was really into lost and he did the whole lost score which is a beautiful part of that show. But he's worked on like an insane number of crazy properties. So he did all the scoring for the recent Planet of the Apes trilogy. He worked on the Star Trek movies that came out recently. He did Rogue One, so he's done Star Wars. He's done seven Pixar movies. Yeah, holy God, I'm looking at this right now. Yeah, so he did like some of the very best scores ever for Pixar movies. So he did Up... He did Inside Out. He did The Incredibles, which is like probably my favorite score of all time.
0: It's one of the most perfect film scores ever. It's it's so exactly sets the mood of that movie.
1: Exactly. He did Ratatouille. And then he's done a number of Marvel movies. So he did Doctor Strange, which is perfect for that movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's so different.
0: And this is all like for anybody who hasn't seen all of these movies, the variety here is pretty. That's that's the thing. There's a composer who I guess we probably won't be talking about, but I won't say his name anyway, who's well known for scoring some of the most famous movies of all time. He was really active in the 70s and 80s. And in as much as that composer was the greatest, like unquestionably, he's the guy. There's a certain through line for all of his his work that, you know, what you're listening to. And in a way that's sometimes soothing and in a way that's sometimes a little bit repetitive. And it's cool to have somebody who can traffic in so many different sounds.
1: His range is insane. And like he's at the highest level of quality in all of those areas. Like it's just he's he's really, really incredible. And I uh, the only reason he's this low is because. It's been a, I mean, he like very lately, he's kind of just been doing the Marvel stuff. So like, um, like Doctor Strange and both of the Spider-Man movies are his most recent credits, which he's a victim of his own success here, because I think like those are all three like really like perfect <laughs> soundtracks for those movies. But they're not like his most um, it's, it, I wouldn't say it's like it's his best work and it's not his most critically acclaimed work that's the only reason it's this low because if you just took the seven pixar movies he did he's one of the greatest composers of all time like he's so talented and if he's on a movie you know the soundtrack is going to be great well one thing i want to give a special shout out to as i'm looking through this is
0: having the ability to weave in certain and i don't know what the right sort of the right the right musical term be the sort of sonic echoes across his work that reference the broader series in which he's working because he is working in a lot of franchises, but without being kind of derivative or lame. So I'm the, the example I'm thinking specifically of is Rogue One. Yes. The way, the way he used the really well-worn canon of Star Wars sounds without overly relying on them, while exploring new territory and st- like, it just was such a perfect example of what the task was. The task was establish musical themes that are new and adventurous and reference old musical themes that will get the crowd excited and balance it in a way that's exactly
1: serves both of those. And he just, he nailed that in such a cool way. Well, and he did it with Spider-Man too. Like those Spider-Man yeah. scores perfectly reference like kind of the old, yeah. but there's another composer we're going to talk about very high on this list who, within... It's exactly like you said, working within the confines of, like, a franchise and all of this pre-existing kind of material that you have to both incorporate and innovate on. Michael Jackman is a really good example of it. We'll be talking about yeah. that more later. Beautiful. So, that brings us to the not top three. I didn't make a conventional not top three. I picked... I picked four, actually, a not top four of composers who we can't have a podcast about composing and not talk about but who aren't on this list because their work their body of work is not as recent so I thought this is be a good place to to talk about some of them but I will need to be cued into that before I can start cue that shit Whew, thanks Kev he has not missed a beat literally I know <laughs> thank you dylan yeah fuck off dill okay. yeah that's all right dill number four of my not top four you may not have heard of him but he's a pretty legendary composer alan silvestri so i don't think i know that name most famous for forrest gump and back to the future so he scored the back to the future movies and forrest gump but he's also done like he's got so many credits uh, father of the bride the abyss are like two of my favorites that he's scored And then more lately, he did, weirdly, he did Avengers, the first Avengers movie, and then he skipped Ultron, and then he did both, I think he did both Infinity War and Endgame. Interesting. Yeah. So, really, really, I think, well-regarded composer who's worked on a lot of really amazing movies and properties that I thought bared mentioning. Uh, Number three, (laughs) you've already referenced him before. I went through his writing credits, and he's such a strange career, Danny Elfman.
0: Danny Elfman. <laughs> he's
1: like, he's really bounced around and done a lot of weird shit. So first of all, he like pretty much does all the scoring for all of the Tim Burton movies, which if he just did that alone, like that's a pretty impressive career. But he did like the Tobey Maguire Spider Man two. I think yep. he did Age of Ultron. I don't know why he did all the Men in Black. He was movies. available. He did uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, like just a really strange career, but unquestionably a great one as well.
0: Uh, Also, The Simpsons. Yeah. And one thing that I didn't know until recently, I was listening to the radio, and these guys who do the sports talk radio in Boston are not sports guys, they're rock DJs who kind of figured out how to do a sports format. And so their set of cultural references is just so wildly different from my own. Like they were talking about this morning how Fishbone is their favorite live act. And I was like, I don't know who Fishbone is. I've never <laughs> heard of such an act. And they're like, yeah, Fishbone. Like they, they're so fluent in this world that's just not my own. And so they're big into like the behind the scenes stuff. And uh, Danny Elfman, I know this is not a big secret. I just didn't know he was a lead singer or, uh, of oingo boingo i didn't know that so for for people who don't know that it's like if somebody who was relatively prominent in a pretty big band ended up becoming like the world's most famous composer so like i don't know the killers are are too big but i don't know i i I can't i don't know bands well enough like some random from mumford and son's like became how it doesn't even work either i don't
1: know Or like rivers cuomo who like the weezer guy who like some yeah, people know, that's a good one like if he down the road ended up being like a prolific movie composer you'd be like that's fucking weird He'd be like, that's odd i thought he was rivers cuomo that's a good one
0: that feels I, it's probably still a little too big but even yeah. so i didn't know that about danny alfman
1: yeah i did not until you said it just now yeah so that's him. Uh, another one is Randy Newman, who um, "Short People."
0: God, that's one of uh, Michael Scott's favorite Bruce Springsteen songs. Is "Short People." <laughs>
1: I love Randy Newman. He's a treat. He did most famously, I would probably say, is like all the Toy Story music, and he did Monsters Inc., Bugs Life, like a lot of the Pixar stuff
0: also meet the parents or at least did one in one song for meet the parents that was great he also
1: did marriage story which i was weird oh yeah i forgot about that yeah so uh randy newman and then the last one is of course john williams who is not inactive at all like he he scored episode nine but like his, like, the vast body of his work was um, Star Wars, obviously, and then, like, Jurassic Park. And he even did some Harry Potter. So, like, his, the guy's, he's, you know, one of the great. He's the guy. Yeah, he's, he's the, the guy. If you know a composer and you're, like, John Q. Public, you know John Williams. He's, he's probably the GOAT, but not on this list because I thought, I mean, and that's the thing is, like, I did not care for episode nine, but the score is. The score for that trilogy is fucking incredible. Like his ability to like to weave through these themes for each characters and like and and to somehow maintain the feel of the old movies. And then you realize as you listen to it, you're like, this is all new, but it feels distinctly Star Wars. Like he's a master. The themes, the individual character themes is
0: something I love. I love when films or television shows do that. And it's always cool when they do it well. And I'm now trying to think of some good examples. Game of Thrones is, is, I mean, a pretty classic example where you have all of these characters and there's so much time to marinate on who they are that they each get their own musical themes that are really unique. And it really adds an element to the show or the film. And it was really cool to see how quickly... John Williams was able to establish that with the new cast of characters in star Wars. It didn't hurt that each of the characters was just ripped off from the previous trilogy. And so it was like, Oh, Ray, She's Luke (laughs) Finn uh, slash Poe. They're just kind of a weird mashup of Han Solo. And so it was a little bit of a shorthand that made it easier, but it was so fast that I was able to connect with Ray. And I think a big part of that was the score.
1: Huge part of it. All right. Back to the list. Nice segue. So we just talked about Randy Newman. Uh, Randy Newman's cousin, Thomas Newman, is a prolific Whoa. composer as well. That's so So I don't, Thomas
0: Newman's name, I, don't, I can't attach a single movie to him, but I know that name because he's on,
1: I see it all the time. Just wait. So he, I would say like the American Beauty is like his big one. Oh, that's a great soundtrack. But then he did Shawshank, like right after that, and Shawshank is up there of like, the greatest scores ever. And then he did, in my opinion, like two of the better Pixar scores in uh, Finding Nemo and Wally. Wally's a really good example of one where they inter interlace kind of like the uh, the actual songs in the middle of the because Wally loves the old movies and like the Sinatra stuff, and it slots really nicely into like the kind of techno side of things.
0: Oh, that's a
1: great call. Yeah. So that's a that's an amazing soundtrack. And then he did uh weirdly, he did Skyfall and uh what's the fourth one called? Um Specter. Yeah, he did Skyfall and Specter. Um and then very recently he did uh 1917. And I think was okay, nominated- so he
0: must be a Sam Mendes guy then because yeah. American Beauty, Skyfall, Specter, 1917.
1: So, but we were just talking about it with Giacchino, but like the range, like just look at that range. Like he did Skyfall, Finding Nemo and Shawshank, like three more different soundtracks you can't really find. And yet each of those is like, you know, perfect for the movies that they're, that they're a part of. He's really talented. I love listening to his stuff.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a fun, I was also looking at his career, that list is kind of a fun, interesting transitional period from old style movie composition to more modern and to have survived that transitional period is a pretty good marker of talent, I think.
1: Agreed. Yeah, but he's just as relevant today as he was when he was doing American Beauty. So when I see his name attached to something, I get excited.
0: All right, you go, Thomas Newman.
1: All right, so you're going to be surprised to hear who's next. (laughs) And it's just because I really wanted to prioritize at the top of the list people who have done stuff like, like in the last year or so that's really incredible. Oh boy. Believe it or not, I have put <laughs> Hans Zimmer at number six.
0: Wow. So what has he done recently? So he I'm assuming he did
1: uh, Tenet. He did not do Tenet. Was oh, he... no,
0: he didn't. I actually just remember. I, you know what? I take that back completely because I remember that was a thing that he didn't do Tenet.
1: Right. So the most recent stuff for him, weirdly, like has been some of the DC movies. Like he did Wonder Woman and. Oh, yeah. I think he did. Like I think he did Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, like weirdly, which I. They're not my favorite parts of his career. To me, the stretch that he did. So, okay. So, first of all, he started off with any number of great things. The biggest, the two big ones. Three, I guess, that kind of like put him on the map, at least stateside. Were Gladiator, Black Hawk Down, the
0: Gladiator soundtrack. Just, I need to like, it's (laughs) it's one of the most perfect movie soundtracks of all time. That that voice that they use, that woman's vocals across all of the composition, is just so haunting and perfect. And that's what that's a big part of why that movie is what it is
1: unquestionable it's a
0: bold and it's a bold and weird choice to have those (laughs) vocals playing over most of the music
1: yeah so there yeah so gladiator is is the big one and then black hawk down last samurai the last
0: samurai the last samurai soundtrack is gold absolute gold
1: it's straight fire yeah and then to me and then like this is i don't know if anyone's ever gonna match this stretch but he did so he does Batman begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. Interspersed with that he does <laughs> Inception, Interstellar, Dunkirk. He does one more Nolan I think that I can't remember right now. But like his his coordination with Chris Nolan across those like 6 or 7 movies are like 6 or 7 of like the most masterful soundtracks I've ever heard in conjunction with their respective movies. Like this is mind blowing. I I like right off the top of my head.
0: So Time on the Inception soundtrack is one of the greatest bits of film composition ever. It's like it's a perfect perfect song that is perfect for the film Inception, which is a perfectly scored film. That that the movie doesn't work the way it does without the soundtrack, and he did it perfectly. The Dark Knight trilogy has the best i think the best theme song of any major movie in the last i don't know whatever 20 30 40 years a long time yep and the moment at the end of the dark night when the music starts to swell is one of it that is probably the the singular cinematic experience of my life like that's that is the greatest cinematic experience i've ever had was seeing that speech at the end of that movie as the dogs start chasing Batman it's it's and when that music kicks in as the title screen hits it's it's such a perfect movie moment it's everything that movies are about and it's all thanks to him and i would not have passed my professional licensing exams without stay the yes. three or 24 hour edit uh from interstellar that's a movie that Definitely, it's, it's, uh, grasp, it's, reach exceeded its grasp somewhat, but it certainly didn't in the, uh, the theme. And that was what I was talking about. I, there was a, a clip I was watching of him seeing basically, like a kid in the candy store, what the organist could do and realizing, oh my God, I've got all of these thoughts in my head about what we could
1: do. And now I have this organist who can do it. <sighs> I, I, you're right interstellar certainly has its problems but it's one of my very favorite chris nolan movies and i think it's because i think you either you gave me the interstellar soundtrack or i gave it to you the end result
0: uh, yeah one of us gave the other one the, I don't. Remember. the
1: end result was that we both just listened to it on loop and then we also had dark knight rises so like listening to han zimmer is like a pretty big part of our friendship anyways but the interstellar soundtrack is for a long time cornfield chase was my uh my alarm in the morning i'm sure you remember but of course i just think that he and also he kind of like a lot of what we're going to talk about what we have talked about in terms of like modern kind of like modern scoring comes from Hans zimmer like he kind of revolutionized the up-tempo deep bass kind of like wonky what's now known as like the inception sound is like pretty standard fare for movie scoring and that's all zimmer and it's funny because i'm
0: glad you brought that up because similar to christopher nolan he's actually ruined movie soundtracks yeah right because (laughs) Because he was able to so skillfully do the massive percussive soundtracks in a way that wasn't lame, and everybody's trying to copy him with the wah, 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 and they're not doing it half as well as him in the same way that everybody's tried to take their characters dark the way Chris Nolan did.
1: Right. (laughs) And so it's
0: sort of this ironic thing where I hate Hans Zimmer for ruining movie soundtracks, but I love that he was able to sneak in just under the finish line and like actually do them just right.
1: There are a lot of imitators. I think there are a couple that have managed to put enough of their own spin on it that it's really good, but you're right. A lot of, a lot of scores are kind of like a poor man's Hans Zimmer. Yeah, especially these days. All right, so that was number six. That was Hans Zimmer. Uh, Number five is a composer I've only recently gotten affiliated with, Terrence Blanchard. Blanchard? I don't know that person. So he is most famously a pretty legendary trumpeter who has, like, not exclusively, but he's worked on, like, 50-plus scores, but he works on, like, every Spike Lee movie. Ooh. And there's a lot of good trumpet in his scores. which Now does not feel like a coincidence. It is not. So he did uh <laughs> Inside Man is kind of a weird soundtrack compared to the rest of these, but um Very strange.
0: <laughs> but like it's one of those ones where you're like, oh I think Spike
1: Lee made this movie. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one, but um more recently he did Black Klansman to Five Bloods and then uh he did Harriet's that Harriet Tubman movie and um most recently one night in miami that one about um like ali and um it's Yep, i, I don't remember who exactly foursome is but like yeah so he scored that movie um so he's been like very much on in the consciousness of the the composer um savvy person lately because of all these movies that he's worked on recently oh interesting he also did when the levees broke
0: which was that, yeah. that massive documentary that HBO did about Katrina?
1: Yep. So
0: interesting. I,
1: I haven't listened to a lot of these extensively, but I did listen to The Five Bloods because um, it was nominated, I believe, for an Oscar list last year. And I was listening through all those soundtracks, so that's where that was the first time I'd heard it. Is, I mean, not the first time I'd heard it, but the first time I like associated him with Spike Lee movies and composing in general. So. He, it's it's funny like he's been active and like a legendary musician for a long time. And this might be the same thing as um, uh, Danny Elfman, where like he's like transitioning more so into to movie scoring, but he's already had a Hall of Fame career as a trumpeter, from what I understand.
0: This is interesting because looking through, I'm looking through Spike Lee's well, I'm looking through Terrence Blanchard's filmography, and it's sort of side by side, but. 25th Hour is one of my favorite Spike Lee films and it's written by David Benioff the novel was and the soundtrack to that was absolutely perfect because it's that the thing that I like in Spike Lee movies is the pace and sort of the anxiety and I feel like the style of music the jazzy kind of upbeat and then downbeat and like a lot of fast trumpet and then sort of slower other sounds and like the, the quick little I don't know what those are called but those little swishy sort of uh, mm-hmm. drum sticks like it works so well with Spike Lee's style and I think 25th Hour is a really good version of that I'd have to actually now want to listen to that soundtrack again but in the in as much as the Inside Man soundtrack feels a little bit out of place at times the 25th Hour soundtrack is exactly right
1: yeah 100% I so. love it I I just I love when a director and a composer kind of get in sync. Like, I mean, we've already discussed um, like Hans Zimmer and Chris Nolan, like they had a thing going Terrence Blanchard and uh, and Spike Lee. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. And and this next this next person, too, actually. So number four is a French composer by the name of Alexandre Desplat Desplat. I don't know how you'd say that in French.
0: I would say De Blah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. But I don't know if that's
0: right. <laughs> that's, that's just what I would say. <laughs> and I would say it convincingly and you'd believe me. Oh, yeah.
1: I'd buy it. So he... Probably most famous... Like, so he did... I don't know which of the Harry Potter movies he did, but he's worked on Harry Potter. He works a lot with Wes Anderson. I think probably yeah. his, his most acclaimed soundtrack was Grand Budapest Hotel. Recently... He did the scores for a lot of movies that I got really into in like the 2017 to 2019 range. So Sisters Brothers, Little Women, Shape of Water, stuff like that. So he's like very much... Oh, and The Imitation Game was another really good one.
0: That's a great one. I want to I wanna stay in that time frame for one second because there's two films right in that time frame. One of which I knew was him. Now the other one I didn't know was him. Uh, so King's Speech has a stellar soundtrack um, that works really well, both as a studying or working soundtrack with no kind of visual prompting and also as a support for what's happening on the screen. Like the, the, the segment where he's where Birdie is giving the speech and they're playing the music outside of the room. And I, I know that there's some use of kind of famous compositions that are not original for that movie but the way that they're woven in with the original stuff is amazing but one of my all-time favorite soundtracks that I've listened to more than most is Zero Dark 30 mhm and that that little sort of ticking sound it's not quite the like Hans Zimmer Dark Knight ticking it's more of like a I don't even know what that it's something stringed I don't know if it's like a bass or what but the the intro and outro music of Zero Dark are very similar, and I just it's haunting and beautiful, and it, I really love that soundtrack.
1: Yeah, he's another guy I think that has like kind of crazy range, and I actually didn't know that Zero Dark Thirty was his, and that's not one that I listened to. So if I sound distracted, it's because I'm putting it on my list, and I'm yeah, you absolutely
0: to should because for the listeners who don't know this. Kyle and I have watched a lot of movies together and had a lot of great experiences, but I think universally Zero Dark is is agreed to be one of the great film-going experiences of our career together. The only one... I'd say it was the only time we got Dylan to come off campus for a movie and probably one of only three or four movies we watched off campus during college.
1: didn't happen that often, and it was usually more for like... Avengers. Yeah, like Marvel
0: stuff or whatever.
1: I think we did Interstellar too. Yeah, but, anyways, yeah. So that uh, that's number four. He, I haven't, I actually haven't seen the movie yet. I intend to. My understanding is that the movie's good but not great. But uh, it's a Netflix movie called Midnight Sky that George Clooney directed. Yeah, and he did the soundtrack for that, and I really love the soundtrack, and I'm excited to see the movie. If you're looking for something fun to listen to.
0: I mean, I I feel like that's one of those movies that I will end up watching and feel like, I loved that movie. Why did everybody not love that movie? Because my expectations
1: have been so drastically lowered. I hope that's the case. That, yeah. You know what that is? That's a movie weekend movie for sure.
0: Oh, uh, Put it on the board, baby.
1: All right. All right. Honorables, I will zip through these. So most of these are... <laughs> Video game composers that didn't feel quite right to put them on the actual list, but that I listened to a lot. Uh, So I'll rattle those off. What's cool is like video game scores, at least the ones I'm going to talk about, like there's a certain niche of video game that's very narrative driven, and it's less about gameplay and more about story and pace. It's like it's kind of like watching a movie. Two of the great games for that are called Journey and Abzu. And both were composed by this guy named Austin Wintory. They are both just like hauntingly beautiful scores, just as they are like hauntingly beautiful games. Like you play as the protagonists Are, are there's no really the score is kind of like the only sound in the game. So it's like a, a really big part of the playing experience uh, and they're masterful. So if you have a video game uh, console, and you have a couple of hours. They're both really short games. Uh, Abzu and Journey are both really great experiences. Mo- oh, you! I, I'm looking at the screen for Journey. I remember you telling me about that one. Journey is really something special. Um, but this is not the podcast to go into that. Just, to, I'll say that it's a really stellar uh, game experience. Another cool game along those lines is called Firewatch. It's a really, really well-written game about a guy who heads off to old Shoshone national park to kind of like get away from some things and just like look out for fires. And it's kind of, of like, a, it's kind of like an unwinding kind of like mystery thriller that kind of goes in directions you don't expect. Uh, but Chris Remo put together the the soundtrack for firewatch and it's like, it's like 45 minutes and it's probably my, it's up there with like the Incredibles, like my very favorite and the interstellar is like my very favorite soundtracks ever. So even if you don't play the game, I highly recommend listening to the Firewatch soundtrack. Beautiful. Uh this guy, I don't remember his actual name, but his his artist name is Disasterpiece and he scored two really cool indie games called Fez and Hyperlight Drifter that I recommend highly both to play and to listen to. That's all of my video game referenced ones. Um I will now go into some quick movie composers that didn't quite make the list. One is the tandem of Ben Salisbury and Jeff Barrow, who work pretty much exclusively with Alex Garland, who wrote and directed oh. um, Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Annihilation. This really weird TV show called Devs. They So those two guys did the scores for all three of those movies, and they're all kind of in the same... Vain. they all are pretty similar they're very unsettling but they're also all three very
0: very good i didn't think that uh, annihilation was really all that unsettling
1: <laughs> it was fine so uh there's a there's a song called um on the X machina soundtrack it's the last song on the on the album i think it's called touring test and it's, it's like one of those songs that you can just put on loop. It's really good. Uh, after that, uh, Rupert Gregson Williams. He hasn't done all that much that you probably heard of, but he did the Aquaman score. And the, Aqu- the Aquaman movie, I think, is underrated. But yeah. the Aquaman soundtrack is criminally underrated it's awesome it's really good Interesting. it's shocking i don't have
0: that experience but i think it's i'm i think the problem is that i watched the movie once was like oh i like that and then didn't watch it again
1: and so didn't invest enough in the soundtrack but now i maybe i should i've only seen the movie once but i've listened to the soundtrack a hundred times it's stellar you just have to okay skip the opening track because it's like a weird vocal track that i don't love but the rest of it like perfectly fits the weird like future like underwater future aesthetic it's really cool so that's him beautiful
0: as long as willem dafoe doesn't
1: vocalize at any point i wish he did damn uh all right last two ramin juwadi who did uh i know i know i know what because it's been a couple years since thrones ended and he hasn't i mean wow he, I, I, he's worked on um westworld and thrones like most prominently I'm sure whatever. Oh, sorry, he, this is a this is a shock. It's just because maybe it's because I have that sour taste in my mouth from Thrones, but I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm, his fault. Yeah, I know he's he's.
0: I mean, his work on Thrones. So I take the spirit of your list, and so I think it's fair to to emphasize this other stuff. But his work on Thrones is among the greatest composition uh, in film or television history, like the. The rev- He specializes in so many different things that it's not even fair to say what he specializes in. But the theme was perfect. The The Light of the Seven is one of the greatest accomplishments in television history. <laughs> yeah. I mean, legitimately. And then the thing that I think is his greatest strength is his ability to perfectly score a reveal. The music for the king in the north to the reveal of john this the, the pseudo reveal of john's uh, parentage is one of the greatest moments in scoring and then the full on uh danny you know dragon and the wolf bone sesh like
1: actual reveal music is just mm, mm, mm. yeah so we can we can debate this one i he's he's a legend and like what what you said about hans zimmer with the dark knight like that moment in movie like yeah the light of the seven i think is that for television like i can't think of a yeah. more profound like music experience while watching television so so that's that uh last one is john paisano who is a kind of a more of a newcomer but I think I'm one of the only people that really liked the Daredevil TV show, and it's got an incredible Mm -hmm. score, Uh, and he also scored both of the recent Spider-Man games for PlayStation, and they're really, really good, so worth mentioning as an honorable. Yeah, I'm into it. All right, top three. This is good shit. I've only got two left. I've only got two left that I wrote, so. So, I don't think you're thinking of number, you probably don't have my number three. Okay. So number three is a composer, American composer, by the name of Emil Moseri. Nope. Okay. All right. So I think I know your top two. I, I'll be interested
0: to see. How do you spell this person's name?
1: E-M-I-L-E-M-O-S-S-E-R-I. All right. So uh, we talked about The Last Black Man in San Francisco on the Top screws podcast a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. That... That soundtrack is just like achingly beautiful and so quirky and just like it, it's very, um, it's low intensity because it's, you know, it's, it's a very like dramatic film, but, uh, it's got a lot going on. And there's like some, there's, there are a couple vocal performances on this score that are like just impossible to, to not love. Um, so you, As soon as you're done listening to this podcast, uh, go and listen to the full soundtrack for Last Black Man. And then more recently, uh, he also did the soundtrack for Minari, which was um, a Best Picture nominee this year. Same deal, just like a beautiful, beautiful score that is accented really perfectly with vocals that kind of like uh, have special significance to the characters that the song is supposed to be kind of about so those are the two soundtracks that i know from this composer i don't think he has that many more credits but i just think that because the list is biased towards recency it deserves this spot because those are two of my very favorite soundtracks and they're both very important ones for very important movies and i just i'm really looking forward to whatever he does next
0: i like that i like i like the idea that We've given the necessary recognition to the old dogs, but you're you're given you're given a little bit of a nod to the future here.
1: Keep an eye out for Emil Moseri um, and listen to Last Black Man and Minari. They're both beautiful, beautiful scores. I still have to see both of them. In fact, well, you should see them both too because they're both beautiful films. Um, so there's that. There's specific so the. The vocals, the vocal track on Last Black Man is a, is a different one, but the the second favorite song on is a song called Rock Fight. <laughs> you don't have to see the movie to just listen to Rock Fight. It's really uh, a very fun song. All right, number two, I assume you know, you assumed that this would be up there. Number two is a composer, I believe he's Swedish, by the name of Ludwig Göransson. Cap, yes. So- a name that pops up
0: places you would not expect his name to pop up because you presumably, if you know who this is, you associate him with a couple of things that are a certain style. And then all of a sudden you're watching an episode of New Girl and you're like, Ludwig Gorenson was the composer on this.
1: <laughs> so I, I love it. So he and Ryan Coogler were roommates at film school, which is so freaking cool. Right. So he would like score all of Kugler's um, like film projects. And then when Ryan Kugler started making feature films, he said, hey, Ludwig, come score these for me. So he did. I believe he did Fruitvale Station. I know that he did um, Creed and I think he did Creed 2. And then after that, his career just like just like shot into the stratosphere. So he did the score for black panther not to be confused with the kendrick lamar soundtrack yes which is so cool because they're both really good they're both like really good legendary like and yeah. this is what we were saying like marvel has done a good job of hiring composers that fit the specific aesthetic of it. this and this in this case i my it was an easy choice because of the the ryan Kugler connection but he did such a great job of taking like traditional like African instruments and in- incorporating them into this like very modern soundtrack and yeah. talking oh my God. God. in a way that never felt kitschy. And in a way
0: from what I understand was genuinely respectful of the musical traditions of well, African
1: music. If you want to hear that, uh, we've talked about song exploder on this podcast before go listen to the episode of song exploder where Goranson talks about how he scored Killmonger's theme, which I, I think is the best, aspect of the the score. It's got the it is like the heavy it the boom 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 yeah. boom and the like the the fast kind of like rap like the da, 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 you know like yeah. all that oh my god yeah so uh and that's the other thing like he that John Williams does so well we talked about music kind of characterizing specific characters that the Black Panther theme like you know when Killmonger is on screen and you know when T'Challa is on screen you sure do. It's just it's just a fucking incredible score. And then he parlayed that into doing all of the music on The Mandalorian, which
0: Oh I I we It's loved. like one of my favorite opening themes of any television show. It's so it's perfect because it's a great theme, you know, full stop, but it's a great theme specifically for an episodic television show in the in the mold of the old westerns it's just like it's the right length it's the intro and then obviously the end of episode closing music it's just
1: ugh it's it's fucking perfect and like if you go and listen to it all the way through like i have each episode has its own kind of flavor to it and he all the characters have their own kind of feel and season 2 just as good as season 1 yeah really 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 good and then uh he most well, I guess most recently was was Mandalorian season two, but just before that he did Tenet, which I, I fucking love. It's it's kind of intense. It's hard to listen to at times because it's so intense, but I it's the
0: right soundtrack for the movie. It's a good it's another example of one where I don't find that to be easy or fun listening per se, but it's actually the right soundtrack for that film.
1: It's awesome. I just think like if you look at that trifecta, like he did Black Panther, Mandalorian, and Tenet. He's worked with Brian Coogler and Marvel, you know, Kathleen Kennedy in Star Wars, and then Chris Nolan in, you know, a Chris Nolan movie. Like that's that's kind of the height of the industry. And I the reason the reason I kind of started putting this list together in the first place was my friend Gina, who's been on the podcast a while ago, right after we saw Tenet, she asked me, she texted me and was like, Do you think Goranson is kind of poised to take over this role that Hans Zimmer seems to be not vacating, but like has less of a stranglehold yeah. on. And I said, abs of fucking lootly. And I think that's kind of true. Like he's different than Hans Zimmer and he works on different things. But uh, to me, he's one of those people that has obviously taken a lot from Hans Zimmer, but has very much kind of made his own space. And I love listening to his work. He's really cool. I think one thing that's a little bit special about him is his
0: connections to the non-film and television musical world. So he is the genius behind the song Redbone from Childish Gambino. Like that whole song with the crazy infectious sound and really weird fusion of a bunch of different sounds from sort of funk and pop history, that's him. And so I think having that influence to draw on in those relationships, I think in some cases, and also to have the technical chops to just, you know, kind of write
1: and compose music, it puts him in a really cool position. I'm, I really love listening. He was my number one artist last year on Spotify, and I anticipate that he'll be up there again this year. So beautiful. Now, I think I must know who number one is, but I don't know now uh i hope it is otherwise i've missed somebody so uh number one i have trent Reznor and atticus yeah. ross all right that was who i had
0: is i i assumed i assumed number one would be Hans zimmer but i had trent Reznor and
1: atticus ross right up there so i i debated at them at one or two but i think they've achieved something slightly different than goranson has and they've done a there's a little bit more variety and i think that you could, you could argue either, but... So, the, lately for them, the two big things that I just, like, can't get over is Watchmen and Soul. So... Which, just knowing what you know about Trent
0: Reznor and Atticus Ross is just <laughs> shocking that those are films that are scored by those two. It's fucking
1: crazy, so, like... Like, it doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> I was, like... I remember when I walked Because I saw... It was Watchmen, I think, when I, like, got... And I started listening to like their stuff, and I was like Trent Reznor, like not that Trent Reznor. Like, yeah. No, it is it's that Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> so yeah, so watch if you've watched if you've seen Watchmen or Soul, you know that like neither of those exists without the score. Like they're such a huge part. It's, I mean, especially Soul. The
0: Soul score, the Soul score is just crazy because I I really like. That somebody even thought to give those guys a call because I think 10 or 15 years ago, they're not even in the top 200 names on that list because they're nine inch, you know, he's nine inch nails. And like, that's just not, it's not something Disney would have done. And yet the soul of soul is that soundtrack.
1: It's and it's, it's just, it's two I mean, that's the movie, right? It's these two very different worlds that coexists somehow and yeah. the, the music is a perfect example so the album is half jazz and half this like new agey kind of like pop-y techno-y kind of stuff that really blend like seamlessly. Strangely. As, as little sense as that seems to make. It's a shockingly great album and it's so much fun to listen to. I listen to it just on loop same with watchmen if you're gonna to listen to watchmen i recommend making a playlist out of it and removing some of the uh exposition tracks because you know in the show where it'll be like the uh the deep voice that's like the the trailer for the the Watchmen show and stuff yeah. like that like those are inserted in there so you can either just it's kind skip. of fun it is fun so you can but if you're going to listen to the the album a lot, it's like, okay.
0: Another weird soundtrack that they were involved in that's great, but doesn't sound like them is uh, Mank. Yeah. Uh, the Mank soundtrack, You another one you just wouldn't have guessed was them, but also as you listen to it, you can sense those sort of strong auditory trademarks that obviously from an instrumentation point of view, they don't use the same sort of synth heavy approach, but they achieve it with different instruments.
1: For sure. The other one um you may have heard of and can like maybe hear the sound is the social network well, I was gonna say I mean that to me that's like the that's the soundtrack that's
0: the one that yeah. broke them into the scene, and it was perfect for that movie. that soundtrack was kind of era defining I think
1: that movie, I think more than we realized at the time is kind of like, gonna end up being like one of the more important movies from that period yeah. and the score is a big part of that and a big reason of why they're doing soul and watchmen now so i mean i don't know if you're allowed to
0: count this because karen o does the vocals but the immigrant song cover that they do yes. for uh for a girl with the dragon tattoo i think it fits in a similar vein to the han zimmer decision to have that vocal on gladiator where it was a really bold decision that paid off but man, oh man, if that if that song didn't work, and certainly even out of their control, if that movie didn't work, yeah, that's
1: remember really, really negatively. It's a big swing. Yeah, it's a big swing. So that is my list. What is there anything else you can think of that you'd like to add? No, that you have stretched the limits of my uh,
0: composer knowledge. And all the ones that jumped to the top of my brain
1: are on, and I like where they are, yeah, so I think this is fully cooked if we if we really want we could we could bump Henry Jackman and we can slide uh Juwadi on here somewhere. I, I don't think so. I think you were right.
0: I think the way you described it was right, and I think when you look at who's got the heat right now in
1: especially in film, you're right. it's Jackman well. With the understanding that the next thing that Jawadi does, he'll probably be He'll destroy it. It'll be amazing. So, that's that. I hope that you, dear listener, uh, find something fun to listen to out of this. Or, maybe not. And maybe you just, next time you see a movie, give yourself a... Give give it some thought. Like, hmm. I wonder who composed composed this. this? Yeah. It's probably one of these ten. (laughs) It's probably... (laughs) All right, I'll recap, and then we'll get the fuck out of here. All right, number 10 is Henry Jackman of Captain America fame. Number 10, Lauren Balfe, listen to Ad Astra, specifically uh, Say at the end. Number 8, somehow Michael Giacchino, 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 from every franchise you've ever seen. (laughs) Uh, Number 7, Thomas Newman, not to be confused with Randy Newman. Number 6, the legend himself, Hans Zimmer, Number 5 our favorite resident trumpeteer Terence Blanchard. Number 4 Alexandra Displan. <laughs> number 3 uh the from the future's game Emil Moseri. Num- number 2 Ludwig Goranson. and number 1 the wombo combo of Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, now I do thank yous. Thank you, Michael, for staying up late for us. Uh, thank you, Kevin McLeod, for your stinky work on our not top three and in intro music. Very good, very good. Uh, thank you, Aaron, my dear sister Aaron, for our artwork. I hope if you haven't been following Sant Design, this last episode has finally convinced you of her artistic genius. But we are here to promote that, so please go see Sant Designs on Instagram. I think that's all my thank yous, Michael.
0: Well, you nailed the thank yous. And so I'll send a thank you to our social media director who has recently been spending a lot of energy ensuring that people go see Sand Designs because uh, the work of our friend Aaron Sant and all of her colleagues at Sand Designs uh, really shined through on our previous episode. And we wanna make sure we highlight that appropriately because she is a meteor, an absolute meteor. And we have the good fortune of kind of being right at her, her little uh, her little trail. We're trying to grab onto that meteor. Um, so thank you to, of course, Sarah, but also thank you to Caroline Labranti for managing our social media which you can check out on Instagram at Top10KM with the 10 spelled out T-E-N. You can check out our Facebook group. You probably skipped it. Uh, or you could <laughs> choose an email at Top10KM at gmail.com if you want to tell us the many ways we have uh, failed you or the one or two ways that we have done what you were looking for. And fine. Before we'll show. I know you're listening. But you didn't just go www.listentothe latestpodcast.com.org. <laughs> uh, but if you're looking for something new to check out, you can check us out on Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcast app, pretty much wherever podcasts can be found. So, Kyle, that's about all I got to say, my
1: friend. That's great, Michael. That was a good deal of fun. Thank you very much, and I'll talk to you soon.
0: Peace. Peace.